you got your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 6. There are a lot of people who have not been here before or who have been away on mission trips and vacations. Um, and I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're back or here for the first time. Uh, I tell you what, before we dive into the Word, I wanted to just uh, um, just say welcome and bless and encourage um, a few people that we've been praying for as a body. Um, we've been praying for a, quite a while now, the Ramsey family. Um, um, Bonnie Ramsey has, uh, has been fighting cancer and things, and uh, it's been a, a wild ride, but the Lord has shown in himself great all the while. And uh, it's amazing to watch the, the joy and the encouragement and uh, really the perseverance of the whole family and uh, particularly Bonnie, I called one day out there just to see how she's doing. And, man, you'd have thought that she was fine. She's like, hey, Tony, how are you? And, uh, and she's just so encouraged in the joy that is in her. You know, the Word says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And when we are able to rise up above circumstances with joy, there is this strength that, that is produced in us that makes us be able to endure even the most difficult things. And so I just wanted to uh, just say welcome, Bonnie. And she's back in the back chilling back there. And... Um, and uh, bless her, bless the family. Also, Danny Kirkpatrick, we've been um, praying for him quite a while. And uh, he's, he's had a, a little bit of a bout with cancer as well. And he had a, a tumor on the back of his knee. And he's gone through surgery. And I think uh, come out on the other side um, um, pretty darn unscathed for the most part. He's a, he's a champ. He's one of my heroes, I know. And so just bless you, Danny, so people can see you. And um, dear friend and brother in the Lord. And... Um, uh, I tell you, and, and Danny and I've talked about this, but I guess for the past however long some of these journeys began, um, me and my boys, we, we pray um, just about every night, and sometimes we'll worship and sing and read the Bible, and uh, when it comes to prayer time, I'll say, uh, okay, I'll usually give them an order. There's three boys. Of course, you saw my wife. She's pregnant, and we're going to have a little girl. But anyway, every night, I, I usually give them an order to pray. It's like, hey, Rowan, Cannon, and then Aiden, or... Aiden, Cannon, and then Rowan, or Cannon, Aiden. There's lots of possibilities there. You can do all kinds of words. And, uh, and usually, I just have to say, ready, go, because if I don't, they're all in some wild, you know, arguing about who goes first and stuff. So I'll say, Aiden, Cannon, and then Rowan, ready, go. And, uh, and they immediately begin praying. And I love it because they immediately began praying for Bonnie. And then after their, I mean, each one, every time. Um, even if it's Rowan, who's the little one, he's four years old, and it's like, what is he thinking about, trains and cars and puppy dogs and whatever? But even him, he's, as soon as he starts, Lord, I pray for Bonnie, I pray that she will get better. And, you know, it's just a sweet little boy prayer, and then moves on to Danny, Lord, I pray for Danny that his leg will get better. And uh, just different people. Marvin had hurt his back a couple weeks ago. I pray for Uncle Marvin that he will be able to jump on the trampoline with us again. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, anyway, but it's, it's just powerful. And every time, every week, they just pray, they just pray. And a lot of you guys have, have been praying consistently for them. And I, I tell you, I really believe that we are seeing um, just the power of God in our midst, you know. And um, one way or the other, and, and I'm really excited. It's exciting just to come together and pray. And so thank you guys who have been praying. I know that they thank you. And uh, my boys, uh, they've been praying and so, and they pray for you guys, too. Thank you for Soma and all our friends at church and our family. And, you know, so you guys are prayed for um, by some 
pretty cool kids. So um, if you've been here for a while, you know that we're going through uh, the book of Acts. We've been going through it for quite a while. And uh, we've gotten to chapter 8, and we're seeing a little bit of a, a pickup in some spiritual things, um, talking about unclean spirits, which we see those things over in, in chapter 5 and I think chapter 6 and stuff. But in, specifically in chapter 8, we're, we're seeing things about unclean spirits. We were seeing uh, Simon the sorcerer, who was a pretty wicked dude, who went on to spread some pretty crazy doctrines and uh, heresies within the church. And um, while we were there, it just and I was getting some, some different questions uh, about, about the enemy and, and, and unclean spirits and demons and stuff. And things that, I guess, when you've walked with the Lord for a while and you've heard certain teachings, you've heard certain things, you kind of start taking for granted that you know that and you forget maybe others haven't either heard that or been exposed to that or had the opportunity to think about that. And uh, so while all those things are going on, we, we decided to pause kind of right there in, in chapter 8 and, uh, and do a little bit of a focus on um, spiritual warfare. And uh, as I've said before, and I'm, I'm saying all this this morning because a lot of you haven't been here, um, when it comes to spiritual warfare, you can, you, can, uh, you can go really deep into a lot of things. And there's a lot of really neat things, really, uh, that have to do with spiritual warfare, a lot of directions you can go. A lot of layers, you know. Um, but honestly, some of those layers can get very convoluted. They can get uh, kind of scary. They can get kind of crazy. And some of them are just totally irrelevant. Um, and some of the things you might hear and study and heard taught abroad are actually just kind of not even true. And so, Lord, show us what we need to learn. Show us what we need to uh, understand as it relates to spiritual warfare because it is obviously a very real thing uh, the disciples, the apostles were dealing it, with it right there in, um, in Acts chapter 8 with Simon the sorcerer. They continued to, to deal with it all through Acts. We'll see it over and over and over again. Um, and let me just say this too. For the past, this will be our fifth week on this subject. And you guys, we have, we have dug deep. We've dug deep. Not so much that we're exhausting the subject, but the things that we have, we've been covering are just like, wow. And just a lot of realities. And... Um, Honestly, even just studying and stuff, I, I, my brain is kind of on overload. It's like, I just need to stop and apply some of this. You, you ever get like that? You learn so much, you soak so much in, and you're like, okay, I just need to, I need to um, pause and I need to apply, um, you know, assess and, and all that kind of stuff and, and process. And so this morning, um, let me just say real quick too, if you were here last week, how many of you were here last week? Yeah, Pastor Don Crum was here and he shared... Um, just kind of another element of the supernatural and of the, uh, the Holy Spirit and the power of God and didn't focus as much on, on warfare per se, but it definitely applied, didn't it? And so it was really good. A lot of you guys were ministered to, and I'm excited about that. This morning, even just from, from Pastor Don's message and the time last week, this morning I'm still kind of like in process mode. Um, and so we're not going to go terribly, terribly deep this morning, but I do want to encourage you with a couple of things. Um, I will say that, that we, have, we have said that there is, and just in case you weren't sure or if you're visiting or you haven't been here, there is an enemy of God. His name is Satan. Satan was once uh, what we were calling a, a top ruler in the heavenlies, and it seems that he was in charge of, of directing worship towards the Lord. The Word says that he was beautiful, that he was talented, that... Um, 
he was, he was powerful, and he was smart, and he was brilliant, all the things. And if you're curious as to the depth of this, you can go back and listen to the podcast. But all of these things, but we saw that, that his pride, because of his beauty, because of his talent, he became arrogant. And he started saying that I deserve the worship. I am the one that needs to be worshipped. And what he began doing is what the Bible calls um, uh, trading or merchandising. Basically, he began stealing uh, the worship from the Lord, from God. And God's like, I won't stand for that. We're not going to have that. And so God hurled him out of the heavens. And since that day, there has been a, a a war waged in the heavenlies against God and against anything that is godly. And the reason I say that is because for us who are born again, for us who have said, Jesus is my Lord, we have been born of the Spirit, we are now of God. We are godly. And since we are godly and the enemy of God is making war on anything that has to do with God, then we know that he's making war on us. And there's no one in this room, no one sitting in any church in anywhere in this city or this nation that is exempt from this reality. No one is exempt from this. I can't stress that enough because I think there are people who think, well, I've been a Christian long enough. Oh man, if you only knew how many verses I have memorized. Well, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit 10 times. I'm like really overflowing or whatever. It doesn't matter who you are or what you are. If you are in Christ, then you are not exempt from this. There's never a downtime. It's always intense. And it's always on. There's no coasting when it comes to that. The word indicates, we've read quite a bit. Again, you can check out the, the podcast. But the word indicates that Satan is a master manipulator. He is a, a schemer. He is a, a seriously sly snake. The alliteration is emphasized on purpose. We need to remember that. Everybody say, a seriously sly snake. Yes. Very good, peoples of Soma. <laughs> he is a very... Uh, a sly snake. He is a schemer. We talked about two major ways that the enemy will slither his way into our lives to try to wreck our relationship with God. One is to, we got some snakes still slithering over here. Um, One is to divert our attention. Remember we said, I just want to do a recap on this. We said that if he can, if he can cause our attention to be focused on lesser things, then he can, he can kind of redirect our lives. If he can get our eyes focused on lesser things, then he can cause us to, to draw away from the Lord and really probably towards, always towards unrighteousness. If he can divert our attention, we talked about distraction. If he can get any amount, 1%, 5%, 100% of our worship away from God, then he has something to celebrate. It's what he's been doing from the beginning, is trying to merchandise, to steal, to take that worship away from God. We also said that another massive tactic that he has is um, perverting his word. If he can pervert our uh, perception of God, our perspective of God, what we think about him, if he can take God's word and convolute it and, and twist it, if he can lure us away from truth, 
then he can really get in and mess with our lives and our relationship with God. And this is a big deal. We talked quite a bit about that uh, two weeks ago. So two major ways that he tries to jack with us. One is distraction. The other one is our doctrine. If you get into the Word, especially in Paul's teaching, he addresses this kind of stuff all the time. He's like, watch your doctrine. You guys, these things are coming into the church. Whoa, don't listen to that. That is steering you off course over and over and over again. Distracting us, jacking with our our doctrine. And I think as believers, once we begin to understand this dynamic and the reality of this, what happens is it can become very overwhelming. For me to sit down and think, okay, there's someone on my tail all the time. There's someone that doesn't rest as he tries to steal and kill and destroy me. It can become overwhelming. And, and depending upon where you're at with the Lord and you know, your, your strength in the Lord, your, your faith, um, however you want to say that, it can even become a scary thing to where fear can rise up in you. But I, like I said several times, I'm going to say it one more time, us who have been born again, who have been born of the Holy Spirit, we don't have to fear. We just need to be watchful. We need to pray. We need to be prudent in strengthening ourselves. The enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, but I have come that they may have life. They being those who are born again. Remember we talked about 1 John 4. You are from God. In other words, born of God. And he says, little children, and have overcome these things, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. We don't have to fear. We just need to be prudent. We need to be doing things intentionally to strengthen our lives. And when I say lives, real quick, let me just say, let me emphasize our spiritual lives. Because this battle isn't against flesh and blood. So don't go out and try to do 100 push-ups a day and see how many sit-ups you can do. See if you can run them out. It's, you can get this body as jacked as you want. You know what I mean? I'm pointing as, at myself as though this was a good example. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. It's not about that. It's your spiritual body. And what's, this is what we're going to look at today. I want you to turn to Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, verse 10. hope that was a decent recap for some of those, some of you who, who haven't been here. Look what it says. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Now, this morning... Um, it was really neat. Sean and I actually didn't have a chance to uh, talk much this week. He's been in and out of Dallas and just doing some different things. And his wife getting back to go, ready to go back to school. And so he's helping her get her classroom and stuff. So we didn't have a chance really to talk much, pray together and all that stuff. And, but I'm looking at his set list this morning. And I'm like, dude, it's like, are you reading my mail? Do you, have you hacked into my email or what's the deal? Because his, all of his songs, for the most part, talk about um, what we're talking about this morning. He says... Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. This week as I was reading this, I couldn't really get past this verse. Um, there's just something about it. And there's not much to it, but I thought, you know what, I'm going I'm to dig a little bit. And there's two words, strong and strength, and both of them are two different words in the original language. Basically, when he says be strong in the Lord, it's that word endunimo'o. Basically, coming from that word that Pastor Don taught about last week. He talked about um, uh, dunamis, or the power of God, the dynamite of God. And this is where this word comes from. It means to be endued with strength. And because it says in the Lord, it's literally talking about 
um, the strength that belongs to God. He says, be strong in the Lord. And I was thinking about how the Lord in his goodness and in his mercy has chosen to, by way of the Holy Spirit, endue us, um, give us his power. You know, the verses that pop in our head are things like the same power that raised Christ from the dead, which would be a significant power, lives inside of us. Jesus saying things like, you know, you're going to do things like this and maybe even greater things than what I've done. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has come inside of us. The dunamis, Pastor Don called it the dynamite of God. And that's really what we see here, to be endued with strength. He says, be strong in the Lord. In other words, Wrap your arms around what is already yours, the strength of the Lord. Be strong. Then look what he says. And in the strength of his might. And this is a different, whole different word for strength. And this word means a work of power. And I just got to think, and this phrase was kind of coming to my mind, that God has made us strong and wants us to do something with that strength. God has made us strong. He has done that. His word says that. And so you look at the teaching of Paul, of Peter, and some of these other um, you know, epistles that we read in the Word, and you can consistently see that they're urging us to do something with the power that God has freely given us. Do something. Move forward. Work in this power. God has given us power, and He wants us to, to do something with that. Of course, it's through Him and His power, which belongs to God, which He's given to us, Plus practice, which is us working out that power, um, equals production. When I, when I say production, what I mean is um, to produce the fruit that he wants to see in our lives. Of course, the Galatians 5.22 fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all of those things. But also like the things Pastor Don was talking about last week. You know, God wants us to be Christians, believers, followers of Christ who are overcomers. Like, that, that's his desire. He wants us to rise up above situations on wings as eagles, rise up with joy over circumstances and walk in his strength, the joy of the Lord being his strength. He wants us to overcome. He wants, us, he wants righteousness to increase in our lives. He wants sin to go away. He wants us to, us to work out these things and to um, allow his blood to cleanse us from these things. He wants us to be free from the chains, free from the bondage, free from um, the prison cells that holds us back from, from walking in the fullness of his, uh, his joy and the life that he's given us. He, he wants these things. And I think <clears throat> as a father, I kind of understand what it feels like for the Lord to look down and go, man, they are capable of so much more. Why aren't they doing this? I have filled you with my power. And like, wow, there's, there's not a whole lot of works of that power in your life. And I wonder if he just goes, how? Like, why? Like, what's causing you not to? For example, this, this um, let's see, what day was it? Friday, I took my sons out to um, a swimming pool out at Team Mania. They love to go out there and swim. And, and so um, Aiden, I taught Aiden how to swim years ago. Uh, I taught Cannon how to swim two years ago, and now it's Rowan's turn. Well, Rowan's four years old, and he's by far um, younger than the other ones to learn how to swim. The other ones are like five. Rowan's four, but Rowan also is probably 
the most agile, probably the most physically gifted. You guys know what I mean? Um, he's just got, the, he's, he's just like a little monkey, basically, you know? Um, very athletic, very, I mean, he, yeah, he, he literally sleeps. Indian style, you know what that is? Indian style, bent over. With his, I mean, who can do that? So if, you, if you can do that, don't raise your hand. We might, we might be odd. So he's just, he's just very agile. So I'm looking at him. I'm like, this kid, he learned to ride his bike. For example, he learned to ride his bike at, uh, how old was he? It was his, or maybe his fourth birthday. He learned how to ride. We got him a little bike. It had training wheels. And uh, he rode it that first day with his training wheels. And uh, he scooted all over the place. And that night we were sleeping and we were praying and all that stuff. He goes, I said, buddy, you enjoying your bike? He goes, yeah. Tomorrow, I want to take the training wheels off. I was like, okay. But see, as a father, knowing my son, I'm thinking, this is going to work. This is rowing. So that day, uh, the next day, we got out there and on Nana's driveway and took off the deal, put him on there, and literally just pushed. And for the, ever since, he's been doing tricks, all kinds of stuff. You know what I mean? It's cool. It's four. Some of you are like, well, my kid, when he was two and a half, was doing somersaults off the house. You know, whatever. <laughs> cool for you. I don't have that good of a kid, you know. But anyway, so out of the pool, out of the pool, um, I was in the, in the water that's over his head. And I knew I needed to get him to, to swim. And, um, and so he's sitting there, uh, yeah, literally sitting there on the deal, and he's crying because he knows that this is about to be scary. But he stood up. And I'm probably from here to Christy, you know, a good ways. And I said, jump. And he doesn't even, he just jumps and starts swimming. And he makes it to me pretty good because we've been working with it a little bit. But when we get there, it's, you know, when you jump off the wall to your dad, there's already a bit of momentum. So most of the work is in the momentum. You know, you're kind of gliding, you know. But on the way back, I hold you and I just go, go. You know what I mean? I might give a little bit of a push just to make him feel like there's something going on, you know. But on the way back, he starts swimming. And uh, he, he goes for about as long as his breath could hold, and he just starts sinking. Because I'm out of breath, I'm done. So he's like, <laughs> he's like. <laughs> so I had to grab him, pull him out of the water, bring him back. I was like, okay. And he actually listens when I give him instructions, which is another thing. This is just who he is. He listens. He, he, wants, he always wants to do well. And so I said, okay, and I told him how, you know, when you run out of breath, um, stick your head up and get you some more breath. And I told him, went through the whole thing. So he, he um, starts doing it again. He's like, oh. and he goes, oh. <laughs> so we're getting there. So finally, basically told him what to do. Okay, when you get the breath, keep pedaling as you do the breath and see if you can keep going. Anyway, all that to say, um, after a couple times, he just kept sinking, kept sinking, kept sinking. And uh, finally, he started kind of getting it. And I brought him back and uh, I let him go. And it was actually further. And because uh, I knew, I knew where he was at. I'm like, he's just, he's almost there. You guys know what I mean? It's like, he's almost there. I'm still there with him, but I let him go. He starts swimming. And then he, oh, and he stops pedaling and he starts sinking. And then you could almost see him remember i got to get going. And so he goes a little bit further, runs out of breath again. You know? And so he is literally like clawing his way. And I just, I didn't feel like I was supposed to have my hand there. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm watching. Literally claws his way to the, uh, 
to the side of the deal, and, and he gets there, he's like, <gasps> and he's just crying, <gasps> you know. So I pick him up, sat him down, and gave him a hug, and I was clapping, yeah, you did it, yeah, and the boys are over on the other side of the pool, <laughs> you know. And so once he saw that praise, and he really saw the, the, the situation for what it was, that he just succeeded, he just swam probably a good eight, ten feet. He stood up, and he's like, <sighs> I just kept saying to myself, I will not quit. I will not quit. I will not quit. And I was like, wow. Can I, if I, I wish I had that on camera. Because that was like, that was it. I was like, that is it. And I'm thinking about, you know, just all this stuff. I'm thinking about all the things that we're talking about, all the things we're going through. You know, some of you guys have uh, testimonies of what you're going through right now or um, of what you've, you've been through in the past. Uh, some of you have fears of what you might possibly go through in the future. And I'm just thinking, you know, and I'm really going to simplify this today. Um, I have a ton of stuff to share, actually, but I'm, I'm really going to simplify this today. Listen. And I was going to talk about the belt of truth today, and, and you can at least maybe do some study on your own. Maybe I'll talk about it next week. But the belt was was like... It was like the foundational piece of the armor. Because the, some of the other pieces of the armor, they literally hung off or they were able to be attached because of that belt. And if that belt wasn't there, you'd have to read about it. Maybe, maybe I will go into it more in depth next week. But the truth is, everything that we sang today, if God is for us, who could be against us? The enemy is going to come against that's what the word is saying. He's going to come against. He's going to come against the key word. And this is what I wanted to encourage you with: is that he can't stand against. He can't stand up to the power of God, the dynamite of God, the dunamis of God. He can't stand up to the truth of God. And it just makes me think: if we could just get, if we could gird our loins with the belt of truth, and, and specifically certain truths. If God is for me, who can? Who can um, stand against me? And granted, if I'm, you know, unfocused and ungoofy, then the enemy's going to come against me hard and maybe even bring me down. But I'm talking about as I focus, as I am um, applying the power of God in my life, how could he possibly stand? You know, there's a scripture in, um, in Corinthians It says, very similar to this one in Ephesians, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Divinely powerful. That word divinely is the word theos, where we get God. And the word powerful is that word, dunamis. So basically, you can read it like this. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but God's dynamite. What we have is God's dynamite. And when we have God's dynamite, look what it goes on to say. And they're divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Basically, anything that the enemy could do to stand in your life, to be... um, victorious in your life, to build up strong to where you can't get in or out in your life, it's not able to happen. If we're able to focus on God's power and say, Lord, I know what is true is that you are for me and not against me. 
I know that what is true is when I fix my eyes upon you, you are my protector, you're my, you're my stronghold, you're my fortress, you're not my defense. If you're for me, who can be against me? Everything from the enemy, you can apply this to the enemy as little t- attacks. But even this thing my wife said, our, our van broke on the way this morning. So that's what I heard, you know, 15 minutes before the service started. And I was like, oh, man. You know, you just never like for your vehicle to break down. It could be anything. So I'm like, oh. And I'm not saying that's a big attack from the devil that he's got, you know, people, his people working under my hood or anything like that. But it's just one of those life things that if you don't understand God and his ability to be victorious in every situation, then despair can come in. You can start getting tired. You can start getting worried and concerned and fearful. And when that starts happening, perfect love starts moving to the sidelines and it leaves this wide open track for the enemy to come in and just start doing all kinds of damage in your life. It always starts with discouragement. It always uh, with fears and insecurities and worry and doubt. That's why Jesus taught so much about it. Don't worry. Don't, don't worry about that stuff. Don't fear. So I wanted, what I wanted to encourage you with uh, um, is kind of the, uh, the words of Rowan. <laughs> We're going to start a journal. The words of Rowan. I just thought, I just thought, I will not quit. I will not quit. I will not quit. His, his body is sinking. His lungs are burning. You guys, you know, how many of you have done like laps in the pool and you're trying to get there? You're trying to finish. Man, there's nothing worse than the way your lungs burn when you're trying to do swimming as a workout. There's just something about it. Maybe it's the chlorine. I don't know. But it, bur- it burns. And so my son's body, he's drowning. He's drowning. You know, he's going under. He's gasping for air. And maybe I seem like a cruel father. You know, for letting him do that. But on the other end of it, he stands up and he says, I just kept telling myself, I will not quit. I will not quit. I will not quit. And isn't that the way it's supposed to be in our walk with the Lord? And this stuff's just junky all around us. Maybe personal, maybe for friends, maybe for this, maybe the nation, whatever ails you. But the truth is, is God is for us. Who really could be against us? Who could, who could bring us down? He provides all my needs. He, he takes care of me. He doesn't, give up. he doesn't leave me nor forsake me. Just, just think of all the things that you know about the character of God and his great love for us. It causes our mind, that truth causes our mind to say, I will not quit. I will not quit. I will not quit. And you want to know what causes believers in the church. You want to know why the church is not carrying God's dynamite. You want to know why we're not as righteous as we could be. You want to know why we're more hypocritical than we are, um, you know, whatever. It's because we don't have a solid view of God. Maybe we have the view, but we're not practicing it. Like he said, you have the power, but are you putting it into practice? You have it. What, did that, what were you talking about? You're endued with that strength, but you're not working in that power. It's kind of like when uh, it says that you have a form of godliness, but you kind of deny the power of it.
girding your loins with, with the belt of truth. Truth happens in your mind. It's what you think. It's what you believe about God. What do you believe about God? What do you understand to be true? The battlefield against the enemy and his schemes, it starts in the, in the mind. Anyway, let's stand. Most of us in, in this room have an area where we need to say, I will not quit. I will not quit. I will not quit. Well, that sounds cheesy. It's, you know, the, the words of a four-year-old. But it's a beautiful childlike faith. And it's something our mind has to, has to it's, it's like this zone that our mind has to get in as we're pushing through in this life. Because it's hard. It's difficult. I've always said the, the, the Christian life or the walk of the believer following Christ is kind of like an equation. Hey, A plus B equals C. I mean, it's spelled out right there. Can't you read it? A plus B equals C. We can say that all the day in our pomp and arrogance. That's how we say, yeah, it's just like this, and we judge others. And, but the truth is, just like in algebra, it is easy. A plus B equals C. That's really easy. But when you start plugging in the factors of life, the equation becomes a little more difficult. And some of us have more difficult factors going into the equation than others. And girding yourself this morning with uh, the belt of truth. Latching on to, if God is for me, who can be against, who can be against me? My God never leaves. He never forsakes. He's with me. Jesus said, I'm with you to the end. All of those things, just like I was there with Rowan as he's swimming, going under. He feels like he's drowning, but something inside him said, my dad's right here, and I'm just going to push through. I will not quit. I will not quit. I will not quit. What is the area right now that you literally need to focus your heart, your mind, your spirit Cling to the truth of all that God is, all that we know that he's able to do. And to say, I will not quit. Some of you may feel like you're on the verge of just burnout in life in general, but especially in the faith. Maybe you're trying to overcome a struggle or a habit or this or that, and you're just like, just, I can't do this. I can't do this. And you're right. You can't. But the Lord in his strength can do that. You can do that in his strength. You can do all things through Christ who is in you, who strengthens you. For somebody in this room, at least one, this is very timely. You've needed that encouragement to press on, to push through, to go the distance, to persevere, however you want to say that. Lord, I pray right now for everyone in this room. Whatever that point of struggle is, whatever that point of discouragement may be, Lord, wherever the spiritual muscles, the spiritual lungs may be burning, feels like there's, there's drowning happening, Lord, I pray right now that the Holy Spirit just well up full throttle in the hearts of everybody in this room, Lord. That same desire, that same um, passion and, and strength would rise up. 
I will not quit. I will not quit. Some of you are on the verge of overcoming a, a, a struggle, a habit, um, things that, that have been somewhat of a fortress, a stronghold in your life. The Lord's saying, push through, push through. Allow the dynamite of the Lord, the dunamis of the Lord, the power of God to come in and finish that work. Don't give up. Don't give up. Push through. And in your spirit, if you can just say, I will not quit. I will not quit. And tonight when you go to bed, I will not quit. I will not quit. And when you wake up in the morning, you will not quit. You will not quit. And Lord, I pray that you would honor every cry for help. Every plea for mercy and grace in this room, Lord. that righteousness would begin to increase in the saints, that victory over worldly things and things that draw our attention away from you, things that skew our perception of you, Lord, that we would begin walking on top of those things rather than under those things. Lord, I pray that the saints here at Soma would begin to walk and, uh, and live lives worthy of the calling. Pray that your divine power would... Um, would just cause strength to rise up. And Lord, I pray that joy would overcome all of our hearts knowing that um, just as we sang this morning, there's light um, coming for the heart that holds on, Lord. And that there will be an end. There will be an end to the struggle. In Jesus' name.